Welcome to Soul Back, Episode 2. This is your host, Kyle, along with Ed and Tom. This is, you know, I got so-and-so in stereo. We're bringing Soul Back, and we're here for another episode. What's going on, guys? What's up, player? What's up? I got to tell you, man, I'm excited about the Soul Back podcast. We rebranded. We're, we're back. We're, we're energized. People thought we gave up on R&B, but we're still here. <laughs> Yes, we are still here. We aren't going anywhere. And the only thing I ask of you, our listeners, is that if you're feeling us, share it. Tell your mama, tell your boy, tell your girl. Get the word out so we can continue to spread this love and bring up more good R&B discussions for you guys. Man, and we got so much love on that last episode we did with Kevin Ross. It was was epic. And uh, I think today is going to be just as epic because later on... On the podcast, we do have a special guest. One of our favorites, Tedra Moses, will be joining us. You guys are excited Woo! for that, aren't you? I'm excited. Yes, one of my all-time favorites in the past 10 or so years. Her debut, we all know and love that album. Her second album, another underrated gem. A huge fan, very, very smart to the business. Can't wait to talk to her. But before Tedra joins us on this podcast, we have some new R&B music to take care of. I want to start off talking about Neo. He dropped a new song, Good Man, produced by our boy DJ Camper, and it samples D'Angelo. What did you guys think of that song? No, I thought it was pretty solid. I know that um, Neo is one of those artists that we're really looking forward to coming in this next year or so and to hopefully deviate from the pop and the EDM that he's kind of been more known for in the past five or six years. His last album was pretty solid, and it was a little bit of a return to the R&B sound that he debuted with. This song kind of gets back into that feel. So it's another solid release, nothing that really wowed me, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, with Neo, it's just like, man, we expect greatness. I mean, I, I sorry, I always have to look at the age, and he is... 38 now, so yeah, he should be right around the area of looking at Urban AC. Is he going to make a grown album? You know, he's kind of been wanting to remain a pop star over the years, so he's made sort of kind of poppy music, kind of eat, he went the EDM route, and, and we didn't really feel it, but we like some of nonfiction, and uh, I think we got some good stuff in store, in store for us with this new album, so we'll just have to see, but Kyle, what did you think of the new song? Um, I thought it was cool. Um, Production-wise, it was uh, it was a nice take on the the D'Angelo record. The one thing that I didn't like about it, and I find that it's happening more and more with Neo's music, is, I mean, he's an amazing songwriter, but he's sort of going away from what his gift was, which was the melodies. He's always had very addicting, addictive melodies, and like for some of his records now, it almost seems like he's talking throughout the record. I don't know if you guys yeah. came across that as well for this song, but it no, I definitely like, feel what you're saying. Like he's trying to put too many words into 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 the song when you know, like compared to like back then when he put out the So Six and the Mads, that was more melody than. Yeah, I think Neo was kind of trying to refine his way a little bit back then. All of that seemed to come second nature. And now we're at this point where he's deviated from that sound and he wants to go back to it a little bit but still sprinkle a little bit of 2018 in there. And kind of the wordiness and the word soup that we're hearing on a lot of these records is something, if you read my reviews, that I complain about a lot because it really hurts the ear. 
and that's one thing that took it. It wasn't too bad on this record, but it was noticeable. So I hope it was kind of a one-off and not something we'll see a lot of later on. I mean, yeah, it, I'm definitely it, looking it, forward to. I'll just say it's tough for an artist like Neo. I mean, Kyle, your whole generation is is kind of in that in that tough spot of which direction do they go? Do they go kind of the more commercial? Do they go more of the traditional? They're kind of stuck in the middle and. But Neo is an artist we never really gave up on. He's so talented, and I think he's going to come through for us. I, I, even nonfiction, it didn't get the attention it deserved, but I think this new album, like at least some of it, we're going to like. Man, I feel like we have that same mentality for Usher. We're just waiting on that next Confessions <laughs> album, and we get disappointed every album. But, uh, to Neo's credit, he's been a little better than that. <laughs> We haven't Damn. seen anything to the level of heart to love, thankfully. So I wouldn't wouldn't wish that on him yet. But time will tell. Poor Usher. Absolutely. Um, so Neil's album will be coming out later this year. I believe he's actually planning to drop a new song every month, starting this month. So um, oh. in March we'll get another song, and in April we'll get another song, and in May we'll get another song, and then I guess by June we'll get the album. Very interesting approach. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but... Um, how do you guys feel about that when there's so much gap between um, the songs and the album? Well, see, and I come from an era where there will be times where you hear a hot single and the album might not come for four months. So I'm not too mad at the length. I'm more worried about overkill because if you're giving us a new single every month, there's an opportunity where that might not grasp and it could, by the time we get to new single number six, it becomes the artist, the fans start to tune it out a little bit. So I, that, to me, is a little worrisome. I understand the strategy of unloading new music all the time, but <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe I, old school air over here, but feels like a little bit of too much. Uh, let's get into some more new music. Toni Braxton dropped a new record, and I know she has an album on the way as well. She released the album cover for the uh, for that new record. She looks amazing, by the way. But, Ed, what did you think of the new song? Player, love, love, love this joint. This, when we talk about a kind of a throwback sound and going back to the basics and just knowing your audience and giving them what they want, this is the Tony that I love. Straight up ballad and she's killing it. It sounds so good. It just appeals to me in every single way. Probably one of my favorite songs I've heard so far in this very early year of 2018. I loved it. You know what? We know Tony's going to come with something good because you heard the album with, with Babyface. It was, uh, Ed, modern-day classic. It's up there. So underrated. Yeah, so you know Tony's not going to go trap sound or anything stupid like that. So, I mean, we've heard the music. It's good. I mean, she's not going to let us down. I mean, my only problem with Tony is these headlines with, a, is she married to Birdman? And is she not? Are oh, they engaged? God. Like. I, but hey, it's working in her favor. I mean, come on, it's keeping her in the headlines, and in this day and age, like that, that works. So, but I know this album's gonna be good. It's coming out in March. It's called Sex and Cigarettes, and uh, I, it's gonna be good, guys. It's if it just this, I think we've heard maybe three singles now: the Deadwood, this song, the Birdman song, and they may have another one I'm missing. But pretty much everything, even the Birdman song, is pretty enjoyable. So I am looking forward to this new project. What do, what do you think, Kyle? Oh, I know you're a big Tony Braxton fan. You uh, you grew up on her <laughs> well, debut album, Kyle. 
actually I grew up on her sophomore album, but oh. I was just man. I just remember Deadwood. We we definitely left that in 2017. <laughs> I think we had a fun time with that term, but we are moving forward. But yeah, I heard the song as well, and I really liked it. Uh, I forgot to mention the song is called "Long as I Live." So for everyone mm-hmm. out there that wants to check it out, you should. The song sort of has like a 90s feel to it. With um, I mean, it doesn't sound old, but it does remind me of the 90s. And let me just say, guys, Bruno Mars' impact is finally being felt. Let me just say that. <laughs> oh, calm down. We'll uh, see how that goes. I think we would have got this if finesse existed or not. <sighs> Bruno Mars is supposed to impact the younger artists, not the older ones, Kyle. True. Oh, sorry. I thought Bruno was going to bring Keith Sweat back to the uh, <laughs> oh, back to the top of the rankings. But <laughs> first of I all, first of all, Keith has got a hot single himself. So mind your business. This is true. Uh, now, of course, Tony Braxton and Neo both have albums coming out. What albums are you guys looking forward to? Um, well, I kind of mentioned Tony. That one's kind of high on my list right now due to these solid singles. I wonder where Marsha's album is. Marsha had she always she's one of those artists that'll kind of drop a single here and there, just kind of just drop something off and vanish back into the ether. But I wonder if she's got a project in the works because her last two albums, I think I gave both four and a half stars out of five. I loved them. So I would I think we're really ready for another Marsha project. And although I have had my ups and downs with her, it's weird we haven't heard anything from Brandy lately. Man, I was going to say I'm waiting on a Brandy album too and I think she's uh she's not going nuts on Instagram anymore, so that's a plus. So I maybe she's Ugh. in the studio working. We can only hope. I'll tell you a couple albums I'm. Uh, I'll tell you a couple I'm expecting. Uh, I hate. I, I hate to say it, but Usher. Are we gonna get a new album from him this year? Redemption. <sighs> oh, we've been waiting See, on this road to redemption for like eight years now. You're still on it, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I, feel, player, you know I mean, I, we love Usher, but how long? I mean, we can't wait for the ship to be righted so much. I say the same thing about okay. the boy tank, like. How many chances are we going to give them? I'll, I'll tell you a couple artists. Here. All right. Usher is maybe a little out there, but I'll tell you a couple artists who really, really need a new album from. Chico DeBarge. Oh, my gosh, yes. It's been almost 10 years, so it's only right. Yeah. Um, a Carl Thomas. <sighs> it's It's been since 2011. I spent half of last week listening to Emotional over and over and over again. What a phenomenal album. That He deserves at least one more run at the top. I'll tell you uh, a genuine, and Kyle, you might have some uh, something to say about this one, but is he going to even put out another album in his career? I don't know the answer to that. I interviewed Genuine at least once a year in every time I interview him, the first question I ask is, where is the music? And I know people actually want to hear music from him because, let me tell you, all of my genuine interviews get like 5,000 views on YouTube, so everyone's waiting. We're waiting on him, and I don't know if we're going to get it. I got a couple more for you, Ed. Deborah Cox. Yeah. Yes, baby moms. <laughs> so, Raphael Sadiq. And that's another good one. I mean, just taking those two names. First of all, Deborah, 
I just knew he would get something when she was doing the work on the Whitney project. Cause that seemed like the perfect opportunity yeah. to drop some yeah. material of her own. We didn't see anything. I'm not sure if anything's in the works. Um, Sadiq always kind of has a lot of, you have to kind of read those liner notes. He's always around producing, writing, doing the thing in the background. But he's another artist just long overdue for some solo shine. I got a few more for you. So, El DeBarge, remember when he came out with Second Chance a few, not a few years ago, but years ago. And it was pretty solid. It, it, it yes, was good, right? It. But yes, will he ever release another solid. album? Will he ever do another one? Well, poor L has been having some issues, some personal issues, as he tends to kind of go up and down on. I hope he's on the road to recovery in recent. I haven't heard anything in the past year or so, but I know he was on hard times not long after that album dropped. So you can only hope for the best. And then we've got my my boy, John B., who it's been since 2012. Will he ever release it? I mean, he will release another album, but when, when will it be? Wasn't the word that he had something in the works and then something happened and it kind of got pushed back? Because I remember there was definitely a project that was coming that he was kind of talking about. Yeah. Any kind of word just whispered away. He was working with Warren Campbell. I think it didn't quite work out, so I don't know where that's at currently. But we could use another album from him. It's been six years. so. Yeah. Um, here's one for you, Kyle. A. Marie. We need a new one from A. Marie. Yeah, we do, but I think she's pregnant right now, so it might be a little bit longer until we get another Amory project, unfortunately. But, I mean, what's your feeling on Brandy, though, Kyle? I mean, that's one of your favorite artists, but what are you expecting from her? I mean, it's been since, what, 2011, 2012? Yeah. I think Brandy is still capable of putting together a really solid album, it's going to be interesting to see, because it has been quite some time since 2.11, if she still has that buzz around her. I know she has a show coming up in New York, right? At BB King's, it sold out pretty much immediately. Yeah, like, that was an interesting thing for me to see. Because you and I both weren't sure if her her audience was still checking for her because the last time around I think she did a much bigger venue but yeah. this time she's at BB King's it's and, interesting you know uh, it sold out. yeah yeah it's interesting Ed because uh, Ed what do you think about this um, like a few years ago she did uh, a venue that held about what 2100 2200 mm-hmm. now she's doing BB King's in New York City which holds about 800 700 people like is that like what does that mean for her career well, there are two ways you can look at it. Because I remember maybe a year or so ago, J. Cole came here. And J. Cole has the opportunity to sell out. But he went in like the tiniest venue available. And like the tickets went crazy and it was ridiculous. And everybody was like, why did he pick this raggedy little venue? But because of the set he was trying to do, he wanted a really intimate set. So he could have sold out, but he specifically did that because he wanted an intimate small setting for his sound. I'm not sure if Brandy is doing this because BB's would be an opportunity to have a tighter, more intimate production and sound and show, or if it's just she tried to go big and people weren't really checking for it. It clearly can go both ways, but 
if this is an opportunity to have a different ambiance, maybe that's what she was going for. I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. And not so much that she was trying to sell out Barclays. Right. I'll give you one more, oh, guys. Man, can you just, um, <laughs> no, she's not selling out Barclays. Trust me. Sorry. No oh, offense, Brandy. No. We love you. We love you, Brandy. But no, it's uh, <laughs> that's like that's like twenty thousand seats, guys. Right. Barclays. Exactly. But um, and one this more is for in you guys. Nineteen ninety-eight. Oh. One more for you, and he's been hinting at something on on uh, social media. That's Maxwell. I don't think he's going to put out an album this year, but he's been hinting at it. What do you what do you guys think? It seems a little soon for Maxwell because you know he tends to drop an album like once every fifteen years or something. So we just got something from him maybe two or three years ago. So it seems like a really quick turnaround to have something else this soon. Maybe I'm wrong, but I wouldn't expect something from Maxwell this soon. I wouldn't turn it down because every Maxwell project is quality. This seems a little soon for him. Well, we have we do have a couple of albums that are coming up. We have Bobby V. He's dropping March 9th on uh, Tim Kelly's label mm. t- of Tim and Bob, and we also have Escape. And luckily, they're not going to be the play of please for today. But Escape, they're working on their new project, and they actually recently rebranded their their group name, so they're now Escape. But instead of having an E at the end of Escape, it's now a three. Because there's only three of Lord them left. have mercy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I want Escape to win so bad. So bad. They're one of my favorites of all time. But they just can't in spite of themselves. Can they get it together, you, sister? You know what, though? I have to give them props, though. Because they were able to do a, a national tour, U.S. tour. Every other R&B group who came back, like, for example, Jade... As an example, in uh, Brownstone, for example, you know any of these groups, they can't do a national tour off the bat. Like they didn't have any music out, they were, they did it. I mean, that you got to respect that. And to their credit, though, you got to also remember how Escape has a weird history because they just kind of vanished in two thousand, and that was it. But because of stuff like the Housewives and the Ti reality show, even though they weren't in the spotlight as a group they were still in the spotlight, so that kind of helped push this. So it's not something as kind of off the wall as a J, where it's like, where the three of them been all this time? So that helped in their favor. Absolutely. Now, I just want to give everyone some quick tour news. Uh, Jagged Edge and 112 are about to go on a joint tour. I believe they're going to be announcing dates pretty soon, but that's going to be very exciting for everyone. Um, Ed, Mm -hmm. will you be attending that show? I, if Listen, if they swing by, I will, I mean, and they're both Atlanta boys, so I have no doubt that they'll be down here or I'll go to Atlanta. I will definitely check them out. 112 teams are coming town once every two or three years anyway, so I will be there to check out my boys. I never thought I would see those two. There was never any beef between the groups that I know of, but for those of us who were around in the late 90s, they remember the rivalry, the which one is better. So it's kind of funny to see them on the same billing after this kind of whole time where we were like, which one do we prefer? It's good to see them both all under one roof. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is a bit much to take in because we saw the collab on the 112 album, and we were like, where did they even come from? We thought they were always rivals. We thought they were not beefing, but like we thought they were like oh, friendly trying rivalry. to see who was better. Yeah, but right, both from Atlanta, but... 
I mean, it's almost like this is where's this coming from? Like, how did this all come together? It's suddenly all cool, and who will even close the show? That's my question. Like, who's going to be opener? Who's going to be closing? That will be a a tough situation to work out, I'm sure. But that's interesting. But I mean, yeah, absolutely. What do you think, guys? Man, I have no idea who would open or close that because they're on such equal footing. Well, you know, we've talked about this before. I prefer 112 to Jagged Edge, but you could make a very strong argument that Jagged Edge has better records in some spaces too. So I'm not sure who opens or who closes. It'll be well, very, It'll be a treat for fans, I'll say that. Well, Kyle, you have experience with uh, Jagged Edge. You booked them out in Vancouver, right? Yes, I booked Jagged Edge out in Vancouver, and uh, How- only Wingo showed up, so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, my I'm so- God. I'm sorry. I'm but, sorry. I'm so but, sorry. That's a, story for, that's a story for another day. I just wanted to ask you now, Tom, as you're talking about Jagged Edge and 112, um, out of curiosity, what's the bigger timeless hit from them? Because they both have that party record we have. Where's the party at? And we have Peaches and Cream. What will go down as the bigger song? Ooh, man. Is it just those two or can I name other songs? Well, those two kind of came around the same time, so that's why I asked. Yeah. That's tough. That's that's really tough. I, oh, man. You're I killing like me, Nelly, man. Nelly, hit, that part is memorable. And so I'm leaning towards the Jagged Edge song, but Wait, I can see I, people can, at clubs going... Can I just do something? Like, what's the bigger song of the two groups? Like, if you had to pick one song out of either group, like, what would be the biggest song? I, can I, can hmm. I do that? And, I, and if I sure. had to do that, I would go with Let's Get Married. Yep. And I... Yeah. Uh, I I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But Ed, no, go this ahead. is tough. This is. I think to get to Kyle's question for me, peaches and cream, and where the party at? To me, that one's easy. That one's where the party at. I think that one has endured a lot longer. Peaches and cream was, honestly, to be fair, I'm not a big fan of either song, but I know that peaches and cream was very, very, very hot in its era. But where the party at has kind of endured. So I'll give him the edge over that. If I think about the two biggest songs from both groups, definitely Let's Get Married. I don't know. Maybe Cupid for 112? That's mm. it's really hard. I it's will either, say what? It's either yeah. Cupid or the remix to Only You. But I, I was going to say that. Can I say one thing, though? Man, like, those two songs you named, Kyle, I don't hear any of those songs on radio anymore. Like, I haven't heard Where the Party At in, in years, or Peaches and Cream in years, on radio. Like I haven't heard, no, I haven't heard Peaches and Cream in years. I have heard Where the Party At okay. at parties okay. occasionally. I, I don't but listen Peaches to radio. Cream, I have not heard it forever. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who, I don't listen to radio, but if I'm in a store, you know, it's on, on they yeah. play Hot 97 or whatever. I haven't heard either of those songs in many years. So, I'm almost thinking, man, are those songs not timeless? And that's a whole other discussion, but, man, we talk about it all the time. Music being made nowadays isn't timeless. Were those songs not timeless? Tom, Tom, can I cut you off right now? Cut me off right now. You're starting to sound like Quincy Jones. 
Oh my gosh. That's you are not going to disparage the good That's... word of Quincy because he was preaching. No, he was not preaching. You guys read that. You guys read that article, right? He was not preaching. Listen, I've got that article pinned up in my office because that is, I'm going to print it out and plaster it all over my walls because I need to read it every day of my life. Ed, can you give everyone a summary of what he said? Because on there he was slandering the Beatles. He was telling everyone that Michael Jackson stole songs. And he oh, said everyone man, in the love. music industry sucked. What was going on there? Player, I loved it. Everybody, see... And this, you might not have the experience, but let me tell you about living in an African-American neighborhood. There is a time where you will have an uncle or aunt or a grandparent who will get to the age where they're going to say whatever they want to say. And they don't care what you want to say about it. The filter that we have that keeps us from saying stupid stuff is down. And that is what happened with Quincy. So he's like, Michael Jackson was still in records. He was like, the Beatles are overrated. He was like, um, what's his name? Um, Richard Pryor's out here sleeping with Marlon Brando. And y'all thought he was lying until <laughs> Richard Pryor's widow was like, yeah, he was. He has nothing to hide. He told y'all that Tevin Campbell was extremely underrated and should have blown up. Facts on facts on facts. Everything he mm. said in that interview, he, the way he talked about music, not remembering its past and losing its timelessness. All facts. Now, there's a lot that we can get hung up on. If you want to get hung up on who's sleeping with who, and if he dated um, Ivanka Trump, which I don't think he did because he's old, this is what happened. He probably went to Jason's Deli with the chick, and he's like, oh, yeah, I went on a date with the... No, you didn't. You just had lunch with some random girl. That's not a date. Calm down. But my point is, throughout all his bluster, you look past that, you're going to hear some facts, and dude was preaching. Tom is uh, is Quincy uh, was he right or is he just crazy? <laughs> I think um, I thought he was crazy, but like Ed said, what, when you get to a certain age, you have no filter, and um, he just let it all out, man. I mean, what can you really say? That's a legend, but still, okay. I mean, he he <laughs> yeah, he got people talking for real. He yes, even told he us who killed John F. Kennedy, man. So. <laughs> You got to give it up <laughs> to Quincy. They, 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 yeah, that was a little ridiculous. But, I mean, he didn't lie about anything else. Maybe he's right. Absolutely. And not even Quincy will get our play a please of the day. And neither will this one, even though I really want to give it to, to, to this group of people. But Janet Jackson Appreciation Day happened oh. on Justin Timberlake's Super Bowl performance. Ed, this is your opportunity to go off. Did you enjoy Janet Jackson Appreciation Day? Absolutely. Well, I was going to say absolutely not, and that's not fair. Because I am, I appreciate Janet. And you remember last week's podcast where I literally, my voice just went out because I ran it so long. Here's the thing that I have an issue with with Twitter. It's not that appreciating Janet is wrong. Absolutely not. But are we appreciating Janet beyond the trending topic? Are we going to her shows? Are we copping her album? When is the last Janet album you had? I can look right now on my shelf and I have every single Janet album, the physical copy of all of them. Cash money paid. And that's something that if you want to appreciate an artist, that's how you appreciate an artist. If there's an artist that you are a fan of, it's not someone you stream every every once a year when you get in the mood to do it. 
or to post a gif of when somebody's talking about them on Twitter. Support the music you love by purchasing it. Streaming ain't going to do nothing. Talking about them on Twitter ain't going to do nothing. Dragging somebody who disagrees with you on Twitter is not doing anything. Appreciate your artists by giving them your $9.99 or your $129 on iTunes. That's it. I don't want to see any hashtag activism on this stuff. Give Janet some money. Appreciate her that way. But Ed, I heard you rebuttal for that. And I was telling Kyle about this on, uh, you know, we were texting back and forth. People were supporting Janet on her tour, and it did really well. Right? So True. we're in the day and age where people don't buy albums, and people aren't expecting to buy an album. Like, they could say, I'm a huge supporter. I went to the tour. They don't well, want to hear cool. They don't want to hear the new music, man. They just want to hear the hits, man. Like, she's been around forever. And they feel like they're 100% supportive of Janet by going to the tour. So, for me, that. for me, they. I mean, I got to say, they did their part. I mean, the tour was a huge success, and it will always be. If Janet ever goes on tour, it will be a success. So, for me, they did their part of supporting Janet. I mean, what do you think, Kyle? Well, I see your point, and I do agree with it. However, I feel like Janet might lose out on, you know, ticket sales, but I'm pretty sure another person would just swoop in and sit in that seat and watch Janet live. But how many people are out here buying the music? And I know no one does that anymore, but if you really want to show your support, I feel like you should go and buy the album and sue Janet Jackson's fans' credit. And they don't have Ed, they don't have like a stand group name or something like that, right? Not that I know of. Okay, the Janets. To their credit, Unbreakable did do some pretty good numbers on the charts. It was number one actually on the Billboard 200. So I'm not knocking them for that. But Tom, to your point, I just want people to check out and buy the music. I'm not sure what her streaming numbers were like, but man, yeah. everyone's gonna go to the tour. We all have at one point, but who's really out here buying the music? And I think that should be the indicator of support. Yeah, right. but I, I mean, mean, streaming does. Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. No, I was just say we're in 2018. No one's buying music anymore, and no people expect to get the music for free. And I'm sure Janet's in no rush to record the next album. That one came out in 2015, or in 2018, and she. I don't think she's in any rush based on the fact that no one's buying anymore. I mean, what do you think, Ed? I don't think, and I agree with that. And I, and you make a good point about the tour. And I think that a lot of artists, especially these legacy artists, that's where they're making their money through touring. So that's cool if you're supporting the tour. And as Kyle said, Unbreakable did very well for for you know what you would expect. We weren't this isn't 1992, so you weren't expecting quadruple platinum, but it did well for what it was. However, I still think that for a lot of fans who are Right and yassing and going off on Twitter. Put your money where your mouth is and support these artists in some sort of way because streams count, but they're such a small fraction. You got to pull a Chris Brown and have the thing running all day and night while you're outside cutting the lawn for it to actually matter. So, again, if you want to support <laughs> and say you're a fan, go out and purchase a ticket, cop the album, download something. This all helps. You yelling at somebody on Twitter is not helping her bank account. Can, can I just have you guys make one prediction, though? And what year will we get Janet's next album? 
Hmm, the last one came out in fifteen. Yeah. Um she's she usually takes about four or five years. We'll probably have one maybe twenty twenty. I say next year. I think I think she's already working on something, so I think next year we'll probably come up. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Now we keep hyping up this play a please award and it's not where you think it's headed. We're not gonna talk about Justin Timberlake because we've talked about him too much and let's oh, be fair, yeah. his Super Bowl performance was okay. It wasn't the worst thing of all time, so Twitter needs to calm down on that. But I have one that's even better for you guys. The play a please award Ed is Chris Brown, he recently tweeted just oh. thinking, a crazy world tour would be Beyonce, Rihanna, Bruno Mars, and Chris Brown. Two for two. And if y'all decide to do it without me, give me 10%. I, <laughs> so I guess we're going to give Chris 10% if this ever happens? I'm going to give Chris that work. First of all, that's a great tour with three of them. But if we had Rihanna, even though you know how I feel about her, Beyonce, Bruno, okay, we good. Cousin Chris is really the fourth wheel in this thing when you look at levels here. Secondly, how is a Chris Brown Rihanna tour going to work? Have we thought about that? That seems like a think piece waiting to happen. Thirdly, now you want to cut if it doesn't work? You can tell that this brother is from Virginia because that is some Virginia thinking if I've ever heard of. I haven't done anything, but give me a check for it. Ugh. Why do you keep defending this dude, Kyle? Please tell me. Ed, man, that's a, that's a bad way to talk about family members. That is. <laughs> when, when family comes, it comes from a place of love. <laughs> so I can tell well, my cousin that he's ridiculous. Cousin Chris? Let me just say, let me just say if this tour ever happens, I'll be on Ticketmaster.com at 10 a.m. ready to buy those tickets. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I hope you sit there and keep refreshing the screen and it's like, sorry, all the tickets are sold out. Oh, that is the worst. <laughs> However, I think it's that time. Like I said, every week we're going to bring in someone special, someone that's definitely brought soul back. Tom, we have another guest today. Who's our guest today? Yeah, I'm really excited to introduce today's guest. It's someone I've had the chance to get to know over the years through interviews here in New York. And uh, someone we, we really admire her music. Every project she comes with, we just love. We love her hustle and her grind. And, you know, her latest album, Cognac and Conversation, man, it, w it was one of our favorite albums a couple years ago. And just really, she shows us so much love. Like, all the love we've shown her, she shows it right back. So this is an artist we really, truly appreciate. I'm glad to welcome Tidra Moses to the hey, podcast. Guys. I guess it's so good to have you here uh, with thank us. Thank you for having me. This is super cool. I think it's cool what you're doing. It's awesome. We need more of this. So... The first thing I, I mentioned, we, we, I mentioned that we loved, we, we loved the Cognac and Conversation album, Tidra. But I do have one, I do have one complaint, and I'm sorry to bring this up, but I really thought that that one, you do it with Anthony Hamilton, should have been a number one single at Urban AC. That record was so amazing. I haven't heard a record like that in, in, you know, in a long time, but man, I just really wish that one would have taken off and been a, a, a big hit. You know, babe. Where I have come to, my, the place I've come to with music is that I make it, and that's what I do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, getting caught up in what happens to the music after it leaves my soul, it'll stop me from doing it. So I just do it. And so the fact that it touched you, touched you that was God's purpose for it. 
You know what I mean? Like, I can't think technical about it in business. I can't think about those things because you know how long I've been doing this. You know how long I've been hustling. So if I thought about that, I would have quit, like, at least 10 years ago. <laughs> so I can't I can't worry with that. But the fact that it touched you and it touched so many other people that say the same thing, that, you know, I have to I have to know that that is, has purpose, you know, and, and I have to accept that. Not that I don't want more. We continuously thrive for more. But, you know, I've always been indie. So me and radio haven't ever really had a great relationship. But now they're streaming. So I don't need that relationship as much as, you know, I have the people. So it all works out. Well, Tidra, I just got to ask you because I think all three of us are still working on it. But how does it feel knowing that you wake up every day, you know, with your debut album and knowing that everyone consider considers it a classic? Um, Like I said, once again, I just I can't really think about that. You know, the thing is what I I just um, I just am so caught up in my purpose. I'm probably at a, 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 a I have evolved to a place where all that stuff that, you know, I want people to be aware and all these different things but i mean you know hey one may say it's a classic one may say it's not so i just can't really get caught up in what work i'm doing how it's being received as much as how i feel about putting it out there because i swear to you guys like if you take the praise you got to take all of it you can't just take the good parts you got to take the bad parts too so every time something comes at me i say oh people consider it a classic oh thank you god Oh, someone says it, it, you know, I, you know, it's boring or it's all okay, fine, that's cool too. I just can't take any of it too serious because I don't think it really matters. Actually, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I don't mean to sound like ungrateful because I am. I have people rocking with me so hard, and people find out about that album to this day, and they'll be like, "Oh my God, it's so great! Have you heard of this girl?" Like, you know, like one time I was at the airport and. This this lady was like, oh, my God, there's this new great album. I just heard of this girl, Teacher Moses. Um, you guys have the same name? I was like, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it was a good album. <laughs> wow. Um, Teacher, something we always talk about on this podcast is how R&B artists aren't really releasing our albums as frequently as they used to, especially with the climate of R&B and, and how sales are going and, and especially, I want to get your take on this because I know you you took a while between albums, you know, between your first one and, and your sophomore album. So, how are you going to approach that as you move to your next project? Because I know you give us mixtapes and EPs in between, you know, albums. But what is your plan going forward in, in this R and B landscape? Um, well, me personally, I take time to live. Um, that's very important to me. Uh, going from uh, from complex simplicity to cognac conversation, it was more of like trying to grow up as an artist and like, and as an executive, I, everything you get from me is all me. I make every decision from the, out, the type of songs that are going to be under the songs that are written. I write them, I arrange them, you know, I even add additional stuff in production to who's going to mix it to who's going to, ma- I mean, like, it's just all me. So I just had to learn how to hone my skills, not as just as an artist and a performer, but as an executive on my projects and, you know, making the right relationships to make things happen. And it takes time as well to for me to live. So in a sense from cognac and conversations to the next project that I'm putting out, I just needed some time to live. I don't know, maybe because other people may not write all their songs or they're not um, very deeply connected to it. It's just a, maybe just a job to them, and I don't knock that either. It might just be like, oh, I'm going to get money. I'm hustling, you know. Well, for me, it's not really a hustle. Everything has to have purpose. So it takes money, first of all. 
uh, to make a, a really quality project, you know, because then you could, the reason why I used to always throw up uh, mixtapes is because it's, it's, you don't expect the quality level to be high because it's a mis- mixtape. And if you remember, I always gave mine out for free because I just felt like people shouldn't pay for something that's not my best, you know. So at this point, moving forward, I, I had to just live coming from Cognac and Conversations to now because you have to understand, those, some of those songs were from long time ago. I take a long time to put together the pieces of, of my project. I don't, a, a year or six months is not enough time for me to have experiences to give honest, uh, honest body of work. So, um, right now what I'm doing is I am looking at what is happening and what people are taking to in the sense that Kate and I, Kate and I had a really great conversation about the fact that we never released be your girl remix um digitally or any other way you know it's it's been streaming for years and it's no one's monetizing it and no one's making money off of it it's just there for the people which is really um what has been happening my entire career i just kind of like gave everything away so what we're doing is we're going to just do um a digital uh, actual digital release of it and allow it to be streamed and we can monetize it and as well put out a vinyl of it and we have another record that we did together called fighting farewell that we're going to put in the B-side, and that will just be, and that's coming in April, and that will just be an introduction to people that know this record but don't really know me. And from that, I'm doing another, I'm starting to record my album in March. But, like, for me, it's just more so about it making sense because no one is, sponsors don't really give a shit about us. I'm sorry. Sponsors don't care about <laughs> us, you know. Um, uh, you know, labels don't care, but the people still care. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like I just put my focus there. Getting money is harder to to put my project together. I mean, like they'll just give us simple crumbs and then expect, oh, why didn't why didn't the Anthony Hamilton song, you know, be number one on Urban AC, baby? Because no one worked it. You know what I mean? Like no one even knew it was there. You're relying on my personal fan fan base, which is oh, my God, is amazing, like, my best friends in the world because they keep me surviving. In that time when they had, uh, I think I was distributed by E1 through Shanaki, and they had a lot of other army projects came, coming out, and mine performed better than ones that were, you know, a little bit more publicized, you know, and, and it, just, it just goes back to me, like, why am I doing this? I'm doing it for the people. So let me not think about all that other stuff when I'm ready and I have something to say and I've put together a body of work that works for me to present and I feel good, I'm going to give it to the people the best way I can. And that's how my R&B is working. I can't speak for the next person. I, I, I can't speak for the next artist. But for me, it's just like, just do my best to make it good. So my people are pleased. And in that, hopefully I'll gain more and I can stay on the road and I can keep doing what I love. You know, it's unfortunate that, you know, R&B gets the break, the bad break that it gets, but, when you look at streaming numbers and stuff like that, they really want it. The people really want it. So I don't really know how others move forward, but that's how I do. Hey, Ed, you know, Teacher made a really good point. I, I really like the fact, Teacher, that you're taking your time with your project. And I know, Ed, that's one of your biggest complaints with the newer artists. They put out a mixtape or an album every six months. I think when you drop music that much, I think Teacher really nailed it because you have to have time to have new experiences and to give a different sound to your album. Because if you listen to Cognac, that was a time where Teacher had kind of grown into 
adulthood, motherhood, and those type of experiences were kind of shown through the album. I loved the debut, but the second album just had a maturity to it. But when we're at a place, unfortunately, where we can drop music as often as we can, that's why one project sounds like the next and sounds like the next and sounds like the next. Because the artist hasn't grown and the music hasn't evolved along with it. So I always say I would rather an artist disappear for 10 years and give me quality and drop something hey, listen, every six months. It, it never, it was never didn't work so out for Sade that way. You know, Sade mm. does just fine. She's the person when people say, well, you know, mm. you have to put out more music. You have to put out more music. I don't care. Like, my sons are 22 years old now. They listen to Sade. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. Like, if you're making something timeless, why are you worried about time? And every time Just worry Sade about it being drops, good. And every go time crazy. Sade drops, exactly. we go crazy. Every time she tours, we're there. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like... Really, what's more important to me for all genres of music in any art, any art form, any medium, is that it is of quality and good. There are a ton of songs that I could probably give you guys that I don't feel like you should hear. Because everything I do, you shouldn't hear. And I think that's the misconception of artists now. Oh, it's, I did it. It's done. You, you need to let it marinate. See if you still like it before you just throw it out to people. You know, it's like quantity is not as important as quality. And I think that gets lost in translation in our art form, like especially like, you know, music. The art form of music and where it is now is, um, I read something recently where Quincy Jones said, you bring money in the room and God walks out, you know? And it's like, really, if if you're going to make honest music, you can't be in there thinking about how it's going to sell. And you can't be in there thinking about who's going to like it. You just got to pour your soul into it. That's it. But if your soul is just the same way it was yesterday when you made the last album, it's like, that's kind of blurring a little bit to me. That's just my opinion. Man, Tidra's preaching. Now, next time I say this, they call me a hater. I'm going to say Tidra's hater. They call you a hater, baby. No. All day long. All day long. All day long. All day long. But we good. Cool. So... I mean, of course, we're all looking forward to your album, Tidra, coming out, you know, sometime this year. But just out of curiosity, what albums are you looking forward to this year from artists that, you know, you might be listening to? Is there any artists that uh, you're waiting on on an album from? I'm not particularly waiting on an album from because I don't even know who's coming out with. I don't pay attention enough to know who's coming out with an album, who's not. I just know that I like a lot of what I have heard. Like, I felt like T.J. Morton's album was absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Um, I thought Susan's album was amazing. I thought Janae Aiko's last album was really great and a vibe and, like, consistency. Like, see, I'm an album girl. I like to listen to albums. I'm not a playlist kind of person. I don't like to um, have to go to different artists to put together one playlist. I'm lazy. I just want to press play and listen to the album. And the people that I mentioned, their projects were something I could just listen to all the way through. And they gave me, like, a certain kind of vibe. Daniel Caesar is another one. Like, you know, there's certain artists that I just can listen to, and it's just a really good vibe, and it makes me feel like, how can you even say, like, this art form is dying when you have this stuff happening? Like, I don't think people are really paying attention because some of those bigger artists that everyone is looking at in the commercial aspect are listening to these other artists, you know, and they're inspired by these other artists, you know. So I don't know. I just, I can't say there's anyone I'm particularly um, looking forward to because I don't pay attention to who's coming, but a lot of what has been happening is very exciting to me. I think that um, just the, the 
the sheer like appreciation for making music is coming through in these this music that's happening right now. Some people could beg to differ. I don't listen to the bull, you know what I mean? I don't listen to the crap. I listen to what really touches my spirit and my soul and a lot of a lot of what's happening is touching my spirit and my soul. I'll I'll tell you, Tidra, we get discouraged by a lot of what we hear on radio and we made a recent comment on uh, on Instagram, and I, I, I know you commented on it, that uh, Miguel, we really liked w- what direction he was going in, and we thought that would be the way that R&B had progressed in, and we really thought you went in that same direction with, with Cognac and Conversation. You know, the the production was progressive, the lyrics were on point, you know, the vocals are always there, and we just really want to see that. We don't want to hear trap music, we don't want to hear dumbed-down vocals, and we really just want to hear more of like the kind of music you're making, the kind of music Miguel is making, and we really just wish there was more of that out there. I know you mentioned some great artists, but how do you how do you feel about some of the more mainstream sounds we're um, hearing? I really do love like you mentioned Miguel's um, album. I think he just stretched his artistry, and I think that Miguel is like he's not an R and B artist. He's just an artist, right. you know what I mean? And he's trying whatever, like, it's just like saying Prince is an R&B artist. And I'm not saying that Miguel is Prince because people get so hot and out, you know, <laughs> I don't want nobody to think I'm saying that. But I'm saying this is, it's, he's an art, uh, Prince is the artist you think of when you think of someone stretching, you know, past the boundaries. And I feel like Miguel does that. And I really, really appreciate that. Now, can I appreciate some of the trap sound and stuff? Like, yeah, it's cool. Like, you know, that's fine. But I don't want to hear that over and over again. You know, there are bigger artists that really can sing, and they don't. And that, to me, is like you playing with God because God gave you something. You know what I mean? And I just always remember the story of, you know, where God gave the talent, and then some people went and buried theirs, and some took theirs, and it flourished, whatever. You can't bury your talent. Like, so if you can really sing and you keep throwing auto-tune on your voice and doing mumble rap singing, it's like, Maybe at some point your skills might not be as good because you're not exercising them. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that's your choice. You can do what you want to do because maybe somebody wants to hear that. I just don't want to hear shit. It's just I don't want to hear it, you know? <laughs> not when I know you can really sing. But don't get me wrong. I am not a snob. I like a vibe. It's not about anything to me. A movie, a, a, a artwork, sculpture, you know, furniture, music, whatever. It's about how it makes me feel. And there's some mumble rap stuff that they do that I, I like it. It's cool. I'm in my zone. I'm smoking. I'm drinking. I'm chilling. And it's cool. <laughs> but when it comes down to, like, talent and the things that make me feel like this is an anointing from God, it's like, you know, when someone plays an instrument, you know, when J-Mo plays the guitar or Charlie Burrell plays the guitar or Kiki Wyatt sings, it's like, that's you. know that's God. You know what I mean? And I would really like to see some of those commercial acts that can do that that don't do that really start doing it because kids need a song to sing at the at the talent show at the school talent show you know you need to have a talent show of kids in high school where they actually have to have talent to win you know i just feel like the bars has been lowered with some of the stuff that's happening so i would like to see it being raised more on the commercial side more but I, i'm sure it'll get there you know everything starts with the underground and it bubbles up Yo, no, this absolutely. is like my favorite podcast ever. I didn't grab my popcorn, teach a preaching <laughs> about the praise dance. Everything that's coming out of your mouth is exactly what comes out of mind. We all good. I guess I'm a hater too, baby. <laughs> I'm not a hater though. I'm really not. I'm really not a hater. I just I look at it like, you know, um, 
we can't when you really love somebody you hold them to high standards right right so you don't say you don't say oh i love them so i love everything they're doing no you have to if you love somebody i would hope somebody says teacher you can do better than that you you can do better than that do better i would appreciate that if someone told me that when i'm when i'm being mediocre Yes, we want the best of our genre, and there's nothing wrong with yes. demanding more of the artists you love. There you go. So I think it's really cool, Tidra, that you know some of the albums that you said you were listening to, you're embracing the new sounds that are going on, like a Janae, like a Daniel Caesar, and you know, like you said, it's all about the vibes. But, Ed, I know you're, you're old school, but you also like the new stuff as well. So I guess I want to ask – Teacher, you know, of course, with Bruno Mars, he won a bunch of Grammys for a sound that I guess had been done before. How do you feel about that? Do you consider that, I guess, if cheating is the right word, but how do you feel about an artist that revamps their sound and rehashes a sound that's already been done? Well, if that's the case, child, we all cheat. You know, we're all cheating. Like, it's all been done. You know, and I I have musical snobby friends, and we haven't been on phone calls just like this, and they're like, but this, this, and that, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yo, man, everybody's in, in, influenced by something and inspired by something. And what I can respect this young man for doing is, and the camp around him, which is some really dope writers and dope, you know, musicians and stuff, is that they went to do the work and they dug in to listen to Babyface to make a song like Versace on the floor. You know what I mean? They went to listen to Teddy Riley to make a song like the Finesse record. Like, I mean, like, I can appreciate you doing your homework. That is what I can appreciate. Because... Now you're now you're um, keeping the culture moving. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you're keeping the culture moving, and I feel like he did it and someone else didn't. And what my one of my friends said is like, but no, teacher, he did exactly what Teddy Riley did. He did exactly, um, you know, New Jack Swing. Okay. And that's the, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, what what what? That's what he was trying to accomplish. Good job. For a person his age or in a group of people that are around him that are the age they are, you know, which is definitely maybe Phil might be a little bit older or whatever, but, like, they shouldn't even really know anything about New Jack Swing. I was young when New Jack Swing was popping. You know what I mean? So it's like the fact that they did the homework, you got to give credit for that. And the fact that they're inspiring a whole other generation of children to do the homework on this music or at least open their ears up to another sound because, the sound that is consistent to me is a little depressing. A little bit. It's druggy. Hey, I got nothing against yep. drugs. Do what you want to do. But it's <laughs> druggy and it's and it's depressing and it does not it's not conducive to fun. And Bruno Mars music is conducive to fun. Why do you think the little kids like it? Yep, absolutely. But Ed, it's really interesting. I know you had a conversation with somebody who's a little older than us. You know, I believe they were in their 50s who had made a comment on why they thought New Jack Swing actually killed R&B. What was that conversation like? Well, let me cycle it back a little bit. It wasn't so much New Jack Swing killed R&B. But like Tidra was saying, I was around when New Jack Swing was coming up. I wasn't super old yet. But when that was popping, you know, we liked it. But the generation behind us... They were like, oh, well, this isn't R&B. This is, this is hip-hop. This ain't R&B. Y'all messing up. Where's the singing? This is y'all just letting the beats ride. 
And I think every generation, the point that we were making at the time was every, as the music continues to evolve, the next generation is going to kind of look at it and feel some type of way. That's how it is when music evolves. So I think that back then, back in the early 90s, late 80s, when my aunts and uncles were like, they're messing up my R&B. We see that a little bit today as the sound evolves. But I think the point that we're trying to make is that you can, and again, going back to that awesome Quincy interview that you need to read if you haven't, because my man was preaching. Music builds upon the past. Oh, he was wilding. Oh, the tea was being spilt. So what happens is music should build upon history. We should be able to look back in history and pull a little bit of it. I'm not mad that the, the times are changing, but a man like Bruno who can go and take some elements of a sound that worked in the past. That's what you're supposed to do. And he did it right because he gave credit where it was due. It wasn't cultural appropriation. Don't be in my mentions. He did, he's not a cultural vulture because he admitted where he got it from. And he gave Babyface and the Pioneers props. So that wasn't appropriation. That was appreciation. So that's what the music should be. Building upon the past and putting a new sound to it. We see it with Miguel. We see it with Bruno. I ain't mad at it. Neither am I, babe. So, Tidra, we we got the latest album, 2015. You know, in this day and age, we're impatient. We're waiting on the next, you know, project, the next new music to come out. What can we expect next? Um, like I said, I'm doing the the, the, al- uh, the vinyl with uh, Kay Trinata and adding a new record with them would be a girl. And then I'm working all the month of March. I should be finished. with. Uh, I should By the end of March, I should be finished with the um, recording of my new project. Um. It's Tidra, you know, it's just where I'm at now. Like, I don't really try to think about it too hard, so I can't really explain it to you. You know, I, the funniest thing is when I first went to a radio station and they asked me, like, who are you? I was like, well, who the fuck am I? I don't know. I don't think about these things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think what the people say, what is the sound? I don't know. You just got to hear it. Like, if you, if you know me, if you follow me on social media, that's my vibe. I'm being very honest. You know what I mean? I'm, like, really peaceful, but at the same time, I'm a little ratchet. And, you know, all those different things. So, like, the, the music should be done like i said um i have to go out into uh, to the uk to europe in may and so my plan is to get everything done before then now when it's coming out i'm not exactly sure because like i said like i'm independent so things move very different i think sometimes people don't understand the cost of what it takes to be independent and to produce quality stuff like you know you ask for a lot of favors and you and i fund myself the same money that pays my mortgage pays for mixing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I just, you know, I get it done as I can get it done. And hopefully it'll be this year. But what I do is I always make sure when I'm recording and I finish up a project, it's, it's timeless in my mind. So if it didn't come out this year and it had to come out top of next year, it doesn't matter because it's not having to do with the era and what's going on right now. It's just a, a vibe and a feeling, you know? Absolutely. Now, Tidra, on this podcast, we love R&B music, but we also love food. And, you know, we're just curious. When you go on tour, you know, I'm sure every artist has a rider. Do you have anything on your rider that's ridiculous or, or just out of the ordinary? No. The main thing I need is water, tea, and cognac. If we got those three things, like, I don't really care. Because, you know, I, they, they give me food platters and things like that. But I'm no type of diva. I just need my cognac. That's it. Make sure I have my cognac and some lemon. The tea is not even as necessary. Water, we get to scratch the tea. 
We just need water, cognac, and lemon, and we're going to be just fine. <laughs> well, let me ask you then, Tidra, a follow-up question. What's your, what's your cognac of choice? Right now, it's Remy Martin. Mm. Because they sponsored my um, my birthday party. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. And I'm I'm gonna put you on the spot again because we have this ongoing rivalry on this podcast of Keith Sweat versus Music Soul Child. Don't even ask why. Oh wow. If you had to choose one of those two artists, who would you choose? Music Soul Child because he's a really great singer. Keith Sweat. He made some really great songs back in the days, but that's also a lot of Teddy Riley. You know what I mean? Like, so like, let's just take Teddy Riley out of the equation of Keith Sweat's first album. Because I remember, I was talking about eight years old when that album came out. I totally remember it, and it was banging out of everybody's car in my hood, right? But it was banging. But if you take that out, I don't know what what Keith Sweat would be. Now, if you take everything from... Listen, if you take everything from Music Soul Child, the nigga sings his ass out. <laughs> Tisha, you supposed to be on my team, dog. Oh, Honey, listen, now I'm never gonna I, hear the I was eight years old and I knew that man couldn't sing. I'm not lying. Oh. Oh, Tisha. Keith Sweat made great songs. You may be young, but you're ready. He sounds a little rapey, but he made great songs. <laughs> But he could not wow. sing. He was young at the time, so it was okay. I don't think we were I don't know how young Keith was, point. but that line bothers me to this day, child. Oh. I was probably about eight then, too, and I was kind of like, all right, Keith, you young, but you ready. Yeah, his, right. I just remember thinking, he can't sing, but I love this music. The same thing with Albie Shore back then. It was like, he can't sing. You have to understand, I grew up in uh, Southern Gospel Church. I grew up every every same, Sunday we same. heard the, 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 the Clark Sisters. So when you yeah. heard someone like Albie Shore and Keith Sweat, it was like, oh, they can't sing, but the music is good. Bobby Brown, too. I felt the same way. I don't really give a oh, shit about people knowing this either. Because it's just, we all knew these, these three guys couldn't sing, but they were really dope. Like, they were young and fun and, you know, cute and all this stuff or whatever, but it just, the vocal ability wasn't Gerald Levert. Or not even nearly Music Soul Child, because I think he's one of the best um, male vocalists we still have out there. I'm with you, Tidra. I love it. Wow. Oh, okay. boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. We did. I mean, we got nine out of ten. <laughs> That's true. That's true. If I could throw a name out there just so I can make fun of Ed later, too, do you think Chris Brown can sing? Yes. Wow. I definitely do. Wow. I think that he, he relies on autotune quite a bit. But I remember when I first heard his music, and I was just, like, not paying attention. And then I was driving down the street in L.A., and he was on Power 106, and he sang live. And I remember when I first started doing radio interviews, they always told me, sing, so they know you can really sing. And I would be like, but if they hear the music, they're not going to sing. But I didn't realize that people couldn't actually sing. Sometimes they, you know, do things on the, you know, they, they, they manipulate it to make the sound you sing. And that is a really good thing for people that actually have talent, that can actually sing. They should always sing in places where there's no manipulation so people can know they can sing. Because I've been a fan of Chris Brown since he sang, um, I don't know your name, but excuse me, miss. I don't know what song that yeah. is. But he was, yeah, he was no. singing that live. Oh, my God. And he killed it. He had all kind of runs. And I was like, okay, Chris, little boy can sing. And that's when I started being a fan of Chris Brown. I definitely think he can wow. sing. Who thinks Chris Brown can't sing? <laughs> oh, Tidra. 
baby. But you know what? This is the thing, though. You have to understand they're younger. They're younger, so they're going to they're going to uh, play around with the the auto tune and all that stuff. He doesn't need that stuff. I think he just does it because it's the sound. But I don't think he needs that. I think he sounds really great without it. Like I feel well, like that, you guys could sit there and listen to him sing, and you wouldn't be. I don't feel like if he was singing for us right now, we would, you know, just raw like acapella. We wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, shut up, you're killing my ears. I don't think it'd be like that. That I agree with. I do think that, and his right. whole rappy trap thing kind of throws me off now. But I do agree he doesn't need that. And and that would be like the artist I'm talking about when I say I know you can sing. Just freaking sing, man. Just sing. Get a song where you can. He had that one song, um, like Fine China. I thought yeah, that was yeah, a oh. really great song. Oh. And when he did that song, I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Chris about to do some R and B. It's about to be popping. And then yeah. Wow. We've been saying that for like for years wow. now. We agree with you, hundred percent. But so we know it's there. Yeah. It's more of like yeah. you have to understand as an artist, you guys, you put a lot of weight on them. But it's not just them. It's not just us. It's the people around us. And then some of us have no one else around us to be like a sounding board. When you're as big as Chris, somebody's not telling you, sweetheart, they want to hear you sing. They're just like, oh, okay, you're rapping. I'm like, okay, keep rapping and mumble rapping and singing. Like, you know, no one's like telling you, like, this is what you, this is where your strengths lie. Man. You know your stuff, Tidra. Wow. I don't really. I just be like exploring. And I just, you know, I let go of caring about how people receive it because I can't do anything about that, you know? It's just like what you guys are doing here. It's, it's really cool. But somebody's going to not like it. Somebody's going to think this. And somebody's gonna, and when you start getting caught up with that, you're getting away from purpose. Right. Because your purpose is, is right. not to please people. It's just to do the work. Right. You understand what right. I'm saying? 100%. So, Tidra, we just want to thank you for your time. We're, we're, we're out of time, but, man, this has been one of the best podcasts we've had. We appreciate you so much for joining us and just keeping it real with us. We love you, Tidra. Thank you for always supporting me, and I love you guys as well. And it's always great to see Absolutely. you guys. Absolutely. See you next time in New York. Look forward to it. Ed, I guess the ranking now goes Music Soul Child, Chris Brown, much, much, much more greater than Keith Sweat. I can't believe we sat through the whole podcast. I'm sitting back. I am pray. I am throwing up hands like I am in church. I am praise dancing. <laughs> I am thinking that we are all on target, and then at last fifteen minutes, it just all falls apart. That is Sertija, still my girl. I love her that f, but I can't love the Keith opinions. Oh no! Listen, man, Tija was an amazing guest. She keeps it real, Ed. You should have known that, man. She will. <laughs> She will keep it real, not hold anything back, and she did just that on this podcast. Well, you would say that, music fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom, I want to bring it over to you. Um, can you give us the soul track of the day? or the? I, I'm tempted to go with a music soul child song just because we, he, no, he got so much on. praise. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but, but. Control yourself. I will go with Teacher's debut single, Be Your Girl. It kind of introduced us to her back in 2004. Her debut album, Complex Simplicity, followed that year. It's a it's a cult classic. She made such a great career off just that album, you know, just touring, doing shows. People, like she said, were discovering it later, many years later. And, man, it's just a unheralded, you know, R&B classic. And I feel like 
you know, she's she's got so much more to offer us. And Be Your Girl was was the start of that back in 2004. So um, have to highlight that one. You know, uh, Ed, you love that one too, right? Absolutely adore it. If anyone here is listening and has not heard that album, please, 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 if you call yourself an R&B fan and have not heard that album, please go check it out. I did a list a few months ago ranking the best R&B albums of the 2000s. I think I did like the top 30, and that was firmly in place. One of the mm. best albums I have heard in the past 20 years on R&B, and I'm not exaggerating. Please go check out this album. One of the best we have to offer. Absolutely. And, you know, as we wrap up this podcast, Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Well, it's been kind of a slow week or two for music, but I have written a review of the new Black Panther soundtrack. It should be up by the time that this podcast is ready to go. It was written, I just need to hit the publish button on it. There's been a lot of hype about this album, about the how great it is and how it's one of the best soundtracks of all time. And Kyle even told me that some weirdo said that it was his version of Lauryn Hill's Miseducation. Everybody calm down. It's pretty good. Not that good. Go to soulandstereo.com and I'll tell you just how good. Cool. And Tom, what's going on with you know I got soul.com? I know you recently interviewed Tim of Tim and Bob and he gave you a lot of history uh, of the, yeah, uh, um, the production duel, right? First off, we we were able to get an interview at Rough Ends, who we've been supporting for years. It was our first time interviewing, so that was really cool. Check that out. It's on the site now. We interviewed Tim of Tim and Bob. Like you said, he gave all the history. It was a really cool experience. So that was a really cool guy, actually. It was cool to talk to him. So um, other than that, I mean, it's been slow for R&B right now. It's February. You know, not too much going on. In the past few years, there's been a lot that's dropped on Valentine's Day out of nowhere. So we'll see. Um, but, Kyle, I did want to ask you on the spot, what's going on with her? Um, I think she's working on an album right now. Well, actually, she's going on. She's still on tour. She's going to be headed okay. over to Europe. I, I think she might already be there, or she's going to be there. And I can't wait for Soul Child to <laughs> let me know that she is the best of this new generation. I'm still waiting on that. But uh, yeah, she's going on tour right now. So no, it's just think, interesting um, to me to see how that turns out. You know, it's been something we've analyzed many podcasts, and I want to see how that works out. I mean, we believe in her. It's just a matter of. Will the label do her right, and will it work out? Well, I'll tell you what, Tom. We will have her on the podcast eventually. I will make that promise to our listeners out there. I'm actually (laughs) cool with her team. So we'll get Gabby Wilson, I mean her, on this podcast eventually. Cool. Jeez, make sure you use the right name. She's got to use one of those (laughs) vocal distorters so we don't know what's her. (laughs) Yep. Now, before we get out of here, I did promise everyone last week, and I kind of forgot it about it. I forgot about it again today, but Rough End's new album, Tom, I know you had mentioned Rough End's earlier. Everyone wants to know our thoughts on the Rough End's album. I mean, I checked it out. It sounds just like a typical Rough End's album. Like, if you're a Rough End's fan, you should be happy with this album because, I mean, it doesn't deviate too much from their sound. And from the interview that you did with them, Tom, it seems like they put a lot of work into this album. Yeah, it's cool because, like, um, I, I told them in the interview, it felt like they picked up right where they left off back in the early 2000s. And um, they told me in the interview, they they called this album, it's rated P for positive. They want to make positive music. They both have kids now. 
I think that's really cool, man. Like, how many people even... They're not concerned about radio. They're not concerned about making popular music. They just want to make music people feel. Ed, man, how how what does that mean to us as R&B fans? It's exactly what we want to hear because it's there's a time to turn up. There's a time to trap. But sometimes you just want music that goes into feeling. And that's what this Rough Ends album is. And we talked about it briefly a few podcasts back. But that's if you want to hear an extension of their sound... This album sounds like they recorded it in 2000, and that's a good thing. And what we're talking about now is a good thing because it sounds pure, it sounds true to them, and it doesn't sound like them pretending to be someone else. So I give them credit for doing that. A lot of artists aren't taking that kind of direction. For sure. So, I mean, time's up for this podcast. We've been going for over an hour now, so... We're going to have to say goodbye. I hope everyone has a great week, a great afternoon. I'm going to be, after this podcast recording, revisiting the top 10 worst singers in R&B. And I can't wait to see Keith Sweat at the top of that list again. Oh, Ed, man. I'm going to. Ed, it's time to to take those posters down, Ed. No, what it's time to do is get on the phone (laughs) and call my man Barry. I think I'm going to have a new um, co-host on this podcast really soon. Barry. Barry Bars. Shout out to my boy. Wow. It's okay, Tom, we'll just have it rocking with uh, Tidra on, on this new Soulback Every podcast. Every episode, Tidra will, was... will be on every episode. Ed, you're out. Barry, you're out. Tidra, you're in. I knew this Soulback rebrand was a bad idea for us. <laughs> a terrible idea. Anyways, we will check in with you guys next time. We're going to have Tidra back eventually because we loved having her on there on here but uh until next time we will see you guys maybe another guest next time so you guys stay tuned take care guys peace all right